Hi guys, and thank you for tuning back into my podcast, The Life of an Entrepreneur. Um, last week, as you guys know, I sat down with Carl Sander, my business partner for Media87, um, and had a chat about his life as an entrepreneur, the difficulties and troubles he went through growing his company, The Killing Tree, which was super interesting. So if you haven't heard that, jump back to the last episode and check that out. Anyway, moving on to this week's episode, I'm here with a very good friend of mine, uh, someone I've known for probably the best part of a decade. Has it been that long? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Harrington. Uh, Jimmy works for me at Apothecary at Seven as our product development manager, but also has his own businesses. He runs a range of them, but today we're going to be talking about uh, his core businesses, which is the Gentleman's Retreat Barbershop, and how that kind of grew into your speakeasy bar as well, and the two incorporated against each other. So thank you for coming down. No, thank you. And thanks for chatting with us. Um, First of all, I mean, tell us a little bit about the Gentleman's Retreat and what it is so that people listening understand it. Okay, so originally we set up the Gentleman's Retreat uh, to create basically a, a space, a safe haven for uh, gents of all ages to come and uh, relax, feel good, look sharp mm. uh, and enjoy themselves basically because uh, when we first set up there wasn't really that many barber shops around. Yeah. Uh, they're a lot more popular now and yeah, there was in our area there was plenty of hairdressers and beauty therapists but nothing for, for men. Yeah. And that's what really inspired me to what we did. So originally I did ladies hairdressing for a number of, number of years and uh, decided that, you know, barbering was the way forward because there was plenty of things to do for ladies on their weddings and then nothing for the for the, the gent. They'd probably just stay mm. at home and drink a, a tin of Carlin or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the Gentleman's Retreat is really well known around Doncaster and, and even further afield. Yeah. Um, you started out doing hairdressing, as you said. Yeah. How did you make the leap, A, from going from hairdressing to barbering, and B, from being a barber to being a business owner? Okay. Uh, so, originally, when we were doing hairdressing, uh, my my teacher, or the guy who owned the barber's uh, hairdressers, were a unisex uh, hairdresser, so it was a lot easier for me to pick up uh, his techniques and things for mm. men's hair. And then the rest of it was self self taught, and then I did the MVQ, so MVQ two and three, yeah. in uh, barbering, and I went from working in a salon uh, to being part owner of my barber shop to start with, and then after a year we just took the full space on. Okay, so uh, how how, how did how did that happen? Like, how did you become part owner, and how did you? A bit of a fluke, really. <laughs> <laughs> so. And this is where the first problem probably started. Mm. So I went from being part owner, turning up to work one day, and all the furniture being outside in the car park. And uh, that was because I found out that the lady who was I was part owner with for the barber shop, uh, she ran a hairdresser's. Uh, she had another business partner who she didn't give no money to whatsoever during the process, you know, during, mm. while she was open. And uh, he evicted her. And obviously she didn't want to him to find out that she was subletting it to me as well so all my stuff were in the car park right. and I had to set up shop next door in a recruitment office for a, for a couple of weeks wow. until the landlord actually got back in touch with me and said 
I've, I've heard what's happened and you know, I think it's really bad. Would you like to take the building on? And that's when we took the leap to, to set up the gentleman as a treat. That's incredible. It's changed over the years as well, hasn't it? From when, yeah. when you first set up, it was very minimalistic and very... Uh, Modern. Yeah. Plain walls, minimalistic. Uh, games console on the wall and that was yeah. about it really yeah. yeah and now you're because of the complete opposite end of the spectrum for anyone who eclectic. knows you <laughs> yeah you've got um, you know the very vintage uh, gentlemanly styling yeah damask wallpapers big oil paintings yeah very uh, regal yeah much like an officer's mess upstairs yeah, yeah kind of really heavily branded um and your journey um, through building your brand, both as a, a barber, a barbershop, and, and somewhere quite aesthetically pleasing, has kind of got you really well well known in the industry and with your clients, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, it's just been trying to make people feel at home. Mm. And sort of like the decor and what we've, what we've been able to do is when people come and visit us, they feel like they're sitting in the living room. And, yeah. and even when they're in the barber's chair, you know, they still feel at home. Mm. And it's, uh, I suppose it's just the, the whole yeah. surroundings. So how easy was it to go from, you know, where you were all those years ago to building up the brand that you've got today? Because it, there's a huge difference. I mean, for anyone listening, uh, you probably want to have a Google of uh, the, uh, the gentlemansretreat.co.uk uh, or go onto any of his social media and have a look. Um, but, I mean, it's, there's a huge difference. So... Was it was it an easy? Did it just evolve? Did you? It's it's been a project. Yeah. So I think probably only just this year, I'm actually happy with the surroundings, the environment, mm. the decor. It's been going as you for, know personally. Yeah. You know, oh. I, I've changed it around a lot. <laughs> is it, how 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 old is the gentleman's retreat now? Uh, eight, eight, nine years. Nine years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's grown a lot. It's grown a lot, and we didn't have a huge budget or anything just to be able to set a shop up. Mm. So it was it was buying things here and there and and spending hours on eBay and car boots and mm. antique shows and stuff like that to be able to find the the perfect thing that fits in or you know we wanted to hide a piece of furniture that didn't look too great in the barbers like the hot towel warmer so we found a safe and things but it's just <laughs> it's buying those. Coming into your car park and finding one of your clients had just left that safe in your car park. That was yeah. Well, the the back was blown off, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That was yeah. It's like someone had robbed the bank, and it weren't until a couple of hours later that they actually messaged us and said, "Oh yeah, I've left you a safe in your car park. You were closed at the time. I just thought someone had robbed the bank." (laughs) (laughs) Now that holds the uh, the towel warmer, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we hollowed it out, hollowed all the sand uh, sand out, and everything. And yeah, that holds that's the housing of the towel warmer. So it it can't have been easy. I mean, I, I know the way your mind worked over the past like eight years, yeah. uh, and you struggled to keep things as they were. You were constantly yeah. changing, constantly evolving. Did that hold you back, or do you feel it advanced you? Or because I, not... su- I suppose one of the things that held me back was I concentrated on barbering. Mm. I concentrated on barbering for you know for like nearly eight years of of being open. It's only since been this past year that yeah. now I'm happy with things. But that's because I've I've stepped back from barbering and I've concentrated on the business a bit more. I think that's something that a lot of barbers mm. struggle with to let go of actually giving oh, service. Really? And uh, I know that um we have many conversations, conversations about yeah. it. Uh, it's I suppose it's that uncertainty 
when you're so used to you being sort of like the, the front of the barbers and people, people they do come for your services, but it's just trying to re re-educate your clients that you know that the that they're buying into the brands and not just you as a person. All your barbers are the same. You've tra- you've trained them. You, mm. you know, you've educated them. Yeah, and that was the hard bit for me. But obviously, having my wrist fused in place as well, sort of. Had dramatic effects of me being True. able to. Yeah, you've had to have uh, operations on your yeah. wrist because of uh, uh, the damage caused over the years, mm. um, and that I know that forced you into stay, taking a step back. Um, it's the difference between when when you were barbering then, yeah, and now that you're you're running the business. You, you know, you said that you felt that had advanced you. Like how how did you realize that you needed to take a step away from the thing that was directly putting money in your pocket and how has it advanced you it was the feeling of i suppose if i'd have always kept barbering i'd have never have grown mm. uh, but being able to concentrate on the nitty-gritty of a business and it's a lot more boring uh, but concentrating on the you know the figures mm. and the actual service and the consistency mm. and actually still being there to be able to mm. manage your staff and everything yeah has allowed us to be able to expand a bit more yeah whereas when i'm concentrating on barbering I, I mm. couldn't look at the books. I couldn't make sure the consistency was going off with the staff and everything. Even though we're stood side by side, it's a lot harder to be able to watch them and, and listen to customers' feedback. Mm. See, for me, this is where things start to get really interesting. When when you took a step back from barbering and managed to look at your, your business a bit more, even in the early days when, when you just started doing bits and pieces away from the services, mm. you're able to grow your brand. And you took steps towards looking at the, the the kind of the whole engagement of your clientele. So not yeah. just coming in for a haircut, but what experience could they have? And you created a, a brand that gave uh, gentlemen, um, you know, experiences that gentlemanly experience. Yeah. So you'd arrange stag do's uh, where they could go out for. Uh, uh, shave and then go off to do some clay pigeon yep. shooting or you'd arrange whiskey tastings yep. things like that and you started to evolve the brand a little bit yep. there as well didn't you yeah well I mean it was just because it's a targeted audience you know we get all the, the males in and stuff like that it's it's just making use of what else we can do while they're in the chair and obviously mm. stag do's birthday parties and things like that were key mm. and that's actually how we met really weren't it is when yeah. you used to come to the barbers <laughs> when you, you had the uh, the bar consultants thing you used to do the whiskey tastings or the cocktail events and things like that yeah uh, and back then we didn't have any bar or anything it was just we rolled a barrel up and or a table and we, we worked from there and then it evolved into a, a smaller bar in yeah. one place and then in another place yeah and slowly built up the venue uh, to, yeah. to have more and more and it grew grew really well but I remember, um, obviously being there with you, you know, having these, uh, these guys come down almost, uh, got to the point where it was getting to be monthly and then yeah. weekly. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd go out and we'd do different types of events with them. Um, but the drinks related part of your business in the early days was really difficult to to kind of launch wasn't it so when people would come in for um the those wedding packages yeah. or the stag stag do parties and they wanted to come in and have a, a shave and a whiskey tasting yeah um at the time you weren't fully licensed so you had to apply for temporary licenses we did yeah temporary events notices yeah um 
but you had a bit of difficulty uh, with that, from what I remember. We've had a lot of difficulty with the licensing <laughs> issues. Uh, I suppose the the thing that I found was is where where the shop's located is a is it's a town, and it's an old council, mm. and they're very stuck in their ways still, and obviously someone who's heavily tattooed and pierced and still quite young, uh, they didn't really really get along with, and we started getting objections uh, such as, you know, we were doing swingers parties and human trafficking events and uh, we were going to be bringing down the Hells Angels and, you know, making everywhere into a biker city. Mm -hmm. uh, we got, you know, random quotes and things, but it got to the point, and I, I know you can probably remember as well, as when we were getting phone calls from the council, from the environmental uh, agency and stuff, for noise complaints, and they were saying, well, where are you? We're outside your door because we've had complaints of noise and we're, we're closed. That's why we're not there. <laughs> you know, it was, it, yeah. was, it was crazy. Yeah, it was... Um, I, I definitely remember the feeling um, of, of the events being uh, targeted and, and, and that victimised uh, feeling of, of people not wanting something progressive to happen. Yeah. Um, they kind of wanted to keep... They wanted to keep the town as it was. Mm. you know 60 years ago when it was still you know yeah. an antiques orientated yeah. um, a little village and now it's all about life yeah. life uh, lifestyle and, and nightlife mm. you mentioned you mentioned some of the the complaints that people yeah. were putting in um i mean what type of stuff uh, were they saying obviously you, you mentioned noise complaints and yep. a few other things but some of these complaints that uh, and objections to you getting a full-time license yep. I, I remember were so out there and crazy yeah so we ended up with probably about 26 objections, which is mm. ridiculous for such a small venue. And it, we did feel it was just from, you know, one, one small group who had obviously found some friends and stuff like that. But we were getting objections like, uh, because back in, back when we approached the council and said, what do we need to do for this license for it to go through? They said, you need to put as, m as much information down on the license as you can. And that's yeah. about everything. So obviously, for what we wanted to do, it's very 1920s speakeasy. Mm. So we always wanted to do, you know, film nights. We wanted to do burlesque dancing. We were wanting to obviously organize events and things. Mm. And that just got flicked around. So yeah. we always wanted to put porn on for, for, for clients. Well, these are the accusations, yeah. not what you wanted no, to no, do. No, <laughs> no, yeah, these, yeah, these are the accusations. So, yeah. you know. So, because you, you put down, um, you wanted to play James Bond. James Bond, so of course, uh, some of them 18, yeah. Yeah, and so you put down 18. adult adult movies. Yeah. Uh, which is the, the box you have to, to tick on the licensing form. And that, and that was basically, you know, we wanted to play porn to, to clients yeah. of all ages. And we were, we were doing human trafficking and we were, you know, we were bringing Eastern European girls over and subjecting them to you know, prostitution mm. downstairs. So with all these accusations of people saying these things about you, you know, your 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 want to put burlesque dancing got twisted into uh, lap dancing yeah. um, and... Uh, and prostitution yeah. uh, accusations. Yeah. Your want to play James Bond and eighteen plus movies got twisted into putting porn on. Yeah. Um, you had uh, gambling um, people accusing yeah. you of, of running gambling rings. We were a um, refuge uh, for uh, pedophiles. That that, and, and these these I remember looking at the list of accusations that you had. Yeah. It was fucking mental. I know. What? I mean, we were getting people with quotes. 
you know, like if the Titanic was sinking, would we save it, would we save any of the survivors, and stuff like that? And people were sending us in quotes in their objections. What the and those quotes were things that they were saying. Yeah, so about it was like or... so basically, uh, as people know, we're, we're quite close to uh, Rotherham, mm. and of course that's where all the uh, the children trafficking was and everything. So we were getting people comparing us to Rotherham and saying this is why things are happening around here is because of people like you. <laughs> what goes through your head when you get accusations like that? Well, it would just, uh, it would just. Well, I, to be fair, and everyone knows me, you know, I, I quite found that a bit funny. But actually, when you looked into it a bit more and, and you know told other people about them, they were like, "My God, these are like slanderous almost." Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. it's not almost. <laughs> it, it is. But I mean, that point in which you're trying to grow your business and all you want to do is get a license. Yeah. Which so you can open a we, bar to do high quality drinks, and you're not a volume bar. You no, made that no, very clear. No, you weren't going to get people absolutely blot out no. and send them out. Um, you wanted to do really good quality uh, nightlife. Yeah. And that got completely twisted. And the moment that you're applying for things and you see these objections come up, I does anything cross your your mind about? Well, it was heartbreaking business? for me, basically. You know, it made me question whether we were doing the right thing or not, because it did take a while. But you're trying to build a future up for your family and everything, and for the rest of your staff, and employ more staff. Mm. And then you're getting all these objections and... That were just so Yeah, the slapbacks and things, you know, it's yeah. like, it were a nightmare. So, what did you, what do you do? How do you deal with that? Well, both personally, how did you personally deal with it? And then, as in like, what, how did you frame your mind? And then how did you deal with it as a business to move well, forward? Of course, I frame my mind because we know the truth of what actually goes off in my business. And mm. although I say we got like 26 objections, I actually managed to get over 100 uh, positive, positive yeah, yeah, reviews. Uh, reviews from my clients and from locals and things to actually say the truth. Uh, but it were, it were kind of heartbreaking to, to know that we were just trying to you know make Bortry a better place. Mm. And then we get we, we get knocked back so much and so what we had to do is just stop handling it ourselves and then got a, a solicitor involved who specializes in licensing hmm. and then they followed through all the processes with us and went to all the hearings but i think in, in total we had about eight hearings before before we actually got granted the license but it didn't stop there no we ended up with an age restriction so they gave us the premises license but said that we weren't allowed any under 18s into the building but because your bar is situated on the lower uh, yeah. fl or the ground floor of your barber shop, it means we couldn't do any under eighteen clients for cutting their hair. So the father son experience of an old school barber shop was thrown out the window. Mm. And did you have an option at that point to refuse the license to continue? No, because it was granted. <laughs> so they basically just turned around and said, "Right, you can, yeah, uh, you can have this, but by the way, we're going to impact your other business." Exactly. And it got to the point where we actually found out from our solicitor that if there was no alcohol on site and no alcohol touched anyone's mouth, then we wouldn't actually be uh, using the license. Uh, it wouldn't be in place. Mm -hmm. So we removed all stock, you know, nothing was allowed in or, <laughs> at all. And then we got back in touch with a solicitor who then got that thrown out as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, they, they gave us like quite an early finish for the bar, mm. uh, the earliest in, in, in the town really at 11 o'clock, but 
they were making you, they really made you work for it to yeah. prove yourself. They was trying to they was trying to basically set an example, I think. And what's the timeline of this? I mean, first, how long does it take on average for someone to get an alcohol license um, for their for their business? Is it usually about eight weeks? Yeah, I think. Okay, so how long were you trying? Nearly three years, four years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare. Do you do you feel that you were treated fairly or that they were treating you differently i felt that i i don't feel like i was trapped fairly uh because of some of the some of the uh objections actually came from the local councils and things as well or local councillors and you know the, the horrific ones that we've already sort of spoken about wasn't just from the joe public it was from you know everyone really influential people influential people yeah so yeah i, I did feel like you know, we were being victimised as such. Mm. But keep fighting and, yeah, then, then it happens. And you kept pushing until it happened. Yeah. And eventually, uh, despite everything and all the, the issues, you, you managed to get your bar open uh, as, as a, an, an off-cut of your, or a, an offshoot of your, yeah. your barbershop. Um, and that is now the Blind Library. It is, yeah. hidden behind a bookcase. And since doing all, all this, has anyone got in touch with you about, you know, the business and, and made it difficult for you? Or have they turned around and said anything positive? Or? No, uh, now further, so it's been, you know, nearly a year now since mm. we're, we're actually getting the council now phoning us, phoning us up and recommended, recommending bigger buildings in the town for us to move into. And that they're fully supported if we do move into a bigger place. So the same people who were holding you back um, and... To this ridiculous level that people don't really get held back to, yeah. Um, and now turning around, and I remember uh, one phrase uh, that they called you. I don't know if you remember what they referred to your business as. No, it was the, a tourist attraction. Oh yeah, that. Was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they've gone from they've gone from thinking that you were this uh, dark dungeon <laughs> uh, running this, you know, the, all these illicit businesses. Uh, to being one of the town's local tourist attractions yeah. for bringing in weddings and birthday parties mm. and and just people from outside the area. Uh, but what, what they actually found out is a lot of these people who made the objections that, you know, that the son comes and uses our services in the barbers or a family member. Yeah, or a family member or the you know, the the partner or something mm. like that. And now we've got a great relationship, it's unbelievable. So it's been a complete one eighty yeah. on it. Yeah. So I mean that was a pretty intense time of the business. Yeah. Um, you know, has has everything else been straightforward? Has it been easy? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, so at the current time, you know, we're going through. Uh, so because we built up such a strong brand, we trademarked. Mm. Uh, so we're going through uh, people, well, basically calling themselves a name at the minute that we're just trying to. Put a cease to. Oh, yeah, they they're uh, they're taking on your name, haven't they? That's... Yeah, uh, you know we've had that. We had obviously when we were you know trying to set the bar up mm. and call it a name, we had and someone else get in touch with us and say that we <laughs> was in trademark infringement. Yeah, uh, which wasn't at all. Uh, so we've had that. We've had I've had an awful lot of staffing issues, uh, mainly for the bar downstairs. Not really. Yeah. Well, not actually the barbers as well. For as many probably barbershop owners you know know of now that you get your apprentice you train them up and they end up doing a mm. bit of a runner and opening up around the corner and things that's always a problem 
Yeah, so, I mean, you you had that happen not so long ago, didn't you? Someone, yeah. um, I think it was the end of last year. Yep. Uh, you were working with me on an event and you got a message to say that yeah, not only was one of your staff quitting uh, that day, day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that um, they'd already got their, their own shop they'd ready already got and their own down shop the road. And it was going to open up the day after the game. Yeah, hours. and they were taking their clients there. Yeah, yeah. I, again, what goes through your head? Like, with, with that? We always think that you've done something wrong for them to leave without actually... Because in my eyes, what I've tried to make in the, in the business is a, a close family mm. you know we've got an open door policy if there's ever any problems or anything they can come and knock on my door at home and you know they can come and stay with me or anything i try to build a network of, of friendship up and to be sort of you know at the other end of the country and get a phone call well even a phone call or a text message saying i'm leaving and this is why i'm going today i was kind of like well what have i done wrong to you for you to do this to me yeah yeah and then while we were still awake, so it was we weren't just away for like an hour or two, you know, we were away so, for the weekend. Yeah, it's a three day event. Yeah. Obviously then they were causing problems with demanding the final pay there and then and you know, going yeah. into the business and not giving keys back and all sorts and I'm having to deal with this halfway you Yeah, know, you, we were about three hundred miles away. Yeah. But yeah. if you can remember when we were over in was it Italy? Last, mm. last year or the year before, yeah. I had another member of staff who, who uh, left while I was away in Italy. <laughs> and they did that on purpose as well. It's like, obviously, yeah. maybe I build up too much of a friendship and they don't want to tell me to my face because mm. they don't want to, you know, they don't want to see the reaction or maybe I just do something wrong. So what happened with that member of staff? Because, uh, I mean, was that an apprentice? Uh, well, he was going through his apprenticeship and then he stayed with us for a while. But, I mean, t- you know, that was... He actually asked, and he gave his notice in, but he wanted to be closer to where I lived. Because mm-hmm. we do get people who travel, you know, quite a distance to come and work with us because uh, of the experience and, and the reputation. Uh, I mean, our, our current apprentice is nearly in Leeds. Yeah. And he's traveling all the way every day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was amicable, you know, it was fine. But having to deal with that from being in Italy... Yeah. And sorting, you know, final pays out and mm. all the paperwork. So, boom, my nightmare. Yeah, I can imagine. But, and then obviously we get the the bar as well, which creates problems in itself with staff. Okay. So, I mean, with with staff, do you do you find that um, you're maybe too friendly with them? Uh, are you? I you think know? personally, I'm too friendly with my staff. Yeah. I don't really have a nasty side to me when it comes to uh, my staff, so I have, to, <laughs> I have to get someone else in the business to tell them off. <laughs> but in the past year, now I've been able to focus on it a bit more. That's my responsibility, and mm. I've been dealing with it all right. So you've been trying to push yourself forward a bit. Yeah. But do you think that your your friendliness? I mean, you said with uh, with one of your apprentices who left yeah. very quickly. Yeah demanded everything, wouldn't give yeah. keys back until they got what they wanted, mm. and then um, already had a shop open within 24 hours. Yeah. Of... I think they felt probably were a bit too soft and that they could do that, they could get away with it. Yeah, and I mean, would you, going back or moving forward, would you would you deal with um, that in the same way? Would you stay as friendly with your, your staff, or do you think you need to be? There's a fine line. I think... You can be friendly with your staff, but you also need to be shown to be, you know, still in control and mm. and have the authority over them and everything. So, I mean, the the staff in the shop now know that you know when I'm in, everything needs to be done, top dog. Mm. Uh, but I put in place, I put in things that if I'm not on site, 
then there should still be checklists that are signed off and the consistency should still be there and everything. And that's what's been quite important. Yeah. Because I have been spending more time away with, with the issues of like my wrist and things. Obviously, I've been able to do work elsewhere. Mm. Uh, and that was another thing why I was so scared to step back from barbering was because if you're not there, then how do you, how do you make sure your staff are still doing what you need them to? Because you know? yeah. at the end of the day, it's your name. So what have you done to make sure that, that things happen? Obviously, you've put some procedures in place. Yeah. So, I mean, now I've got a, sh a shop manager, yeah. which I've never had one before. Uh, and actually, they approached me after they'd been with us. Uh, you know, they only were mm. with us for a year. Uh, but they showed the initiative that they wanted to grow with the business. And mm. I've never really had that before, where someone's asked to grow with the business from day one. Mm. Uh, so, obviously, he's just actually... Uh, signed himself up with my help and I think to do an MVQ and management and of, of, of a barber shop, which I think is fantastic because it shows, you know, progression and uh, he's taken a lot of responsibility off of me and the apprentice himself, you know, he's shown a lot of initiative and, mm. uh, you know, within a week he was picking a pair of scissors up, but that's because I could dedicate the time to be able to train him yeah. rather than me focusing on the barbering again. So it all comes back to it that all goes, It yeah. all goes back to me concentrating too much on barbering for too long. Mm. Otherwise, it probably would have grown maybe you know, a couple of years ago. Right, so with all the things that you've got going off in business at the moment, you know, you've, you've got your barbershop yep. uh, where you've got your team cutting hair, uh, making appointments, everything else there. You have your speakeasy bar yeah again you've got a team there running the bar running events um they sometimes both those businesses sometimes go and do mobile events as yep. well so we're going off-site um you've got your digital agency where you run social media accounts for people yep. you work for me as the new product <laughs> development manager um have i missed anything uh you I create just, content uh, sometimes for for some for of the drinks bars. brands I yeah i took a horse box on that's a mobile, it's a brand activation tool okay. for people. Right, explain that one because people listening will have... Okay, so basically it's a, it's like a horse box trailer yeah. that's being converted into uh, something for people to use as brand activation. So it's it's not really branded up, we brand it up for other, other businesses yeah. or for ourselves and it can either be used as a bar or a mobile kitchen. Okay. So, Basically, we could serve like healthy breakfasts okay. or something like that. So, is that a branch of the blind librarian? No, or that's a separate entity. Okay, so <laughs> first of all, you're fucking mental to do that much. But second of all, how do you how do you juggle all that? Uh, I'd I'd like to say time management, but it doesn't really work like that. Uh, I juggle. I just I don't know. I get, I've sort of, I'm in my ways, so like I know what each day I need to get done. I need, I know, you know, mm. things need to be done here and there. Uh, what I've got to learn to do is try and not think about things so much. So when uh, I first set up in business, obviously, you know, fine, I'll concentrate on barbering. That's all I really concentrate on. Setting up and then as you know, running my own business and then taking all these other things on. Uh, I started to feel very unproductive. You know, it was always like the same sort of stuff day in, day out. Mm. And I ended up getting one of these, uh, what's it called? It's like a journal. 
Okay, yeah, your your best. Yeah, your best journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, Which is basically all about you know telling yourself your your goals and telling yourself your your uh, your achievements and your targets and what you've not done great and things like that, uh, and planning your time out hour by hour. So even if it's eating your dinner, you plan mm. your dinner out, uh, or if it's just sat down relaxing at home and planning that out, and basically my my life revolves around a schedule now. Mm. Even family time and, and everything. So, do you think you have enough time to run all these businesses? Um, I've got yeah. Well, I've, I have enough time to run everything at the minute. But the way things are going, I'll probably have to find more staff to be mm. able to take on some more of the responsibilities. I'm hoping to get to the stage uh, within, you know, I don't know, six months maybe. That I can take a step back from from the barbers altogether, really, but just you know, going and saying like I, I could never leave it all together. You know, mm. I'm too much of a social person. I love my yeah. clients or even my old clients, should I say? Uh, but that's the idea of why Luke's now going onto a management course and things like that, uh, because I know in in the future we're going to end up getting more staff, and I'm not ready to handle it. Mm. But can I handle things now? Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it. The thing yeah. is with me, and this is what this is what uh, probably my partner hates about me is I love work and my whole crazy little head is work focused. And if I can squeeze a piece of work in, you know, an hour before I go to bed or ten minutes while I'm sat in the toilet, I'm gonna squeeze that work and mm. do something. It's just being productive now. Yeah. So it it takes over the majority of your life. It's taken it? over the majority of my yeah. life. And but it's not always going to be like that. Yeah, you know, it's going to get to a point where I can take a step back and I can enjoy a bit more time uh, doing things that I enjoy and obviously with family and things. It's not always going to be like that. You, I have to put in the hard work to start with to be able to build something, build a foundation for for the future. Yeah, yeah, and the sacrifice that you're making now in terms of your time is one that you want to pay off. Yeah, you know, five, ten years down the exactly. road. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a strange one, you know, I, work, I literally work six days a week and some crazy hours. I can be in work at half seven and then because we've got the bar downstairs as well, I can be leaving home at half one, uh, you know, getting home yeah. half one at morning or something. And it can be, you know, tough sometimes not seeing everyone, you know, like my family and things. But, you know, they've got to realise as well. Do you think, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've just thought, of this because I know I know if we ask the apothecary at seven team about me I know what they'd say but do you think you're addicted to being an entrepreneur do you know what I think I've got an addictive personality mm-hmm. and yeah business is probably one of them yeah uh, I enjoy I enjoy seeing things grow and I like challenges and you know I like the I like the thought of having something Mm. And I suppose yeah, that would make me addicted to being an entrepreneur. Mm. I think it's you. you I'm, I, I mean, I'm I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Well, obviously, this kind of bridges into like the the whole the whole thing of taking up so much of your time and having so much yeah. on your plate any one time. Um, that seeps into as you said your personal life. Yeah. Um, your your missus cat. Yeah. Um. You've got two kids now. Got two kids, yeah. Young kids as well. Uh, how does your 
your life in work, your life as an entrepreneur, um, your goals yeah. in trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve in that yeah. uh, impact on your home life? Uh, I'm not going to lie, it's not, it's not an easy one. You know, we do have a lot of... Uh, What's their arguments? Not not the heated anyway. Well, I've I've the thing is I've <laughs> never understood, um, for me uh, in my relationships, I've never understood how to balance those because in my head, I'm pursuing the thing that I want to pursue. Yeah. Uh, very much as you said, I want to see that growth. I want yeah. to make sure I can do these things, and the person in my life should be on that journey too. And that's not always kind no, of worked out um, in the past. Um, and I've I've never really understood what it is that uh, what makes you know an entrepreneur's lifestyle one that's compatible With in a relationship or a family. Yeah, so I, I have got to admit, I ask everyone. Yeah, no, I have got to admit I have a very supporting partner. Uh, you know, Cat is one of those people. Of obviously. She, she has come and worked for me. She's off mm. on maternity at the minute with with us having Felix, who's only you know, only eight months old. Uh, but she's she's noticed that you know I am really passionate about it and everything, and to try and make my load easier, she came in and started doing all my accounts and everything, mm. and that showed to me you know how supportive she was and you know that she really wanted to yeah. sort of help me out as such in business. And it goes back to like the social, you know, like the digital marketing and things and things on the social media and stuff. If I've got a question or, or I need some inspiration or anything, we can just bounce ideas off each other all day. We'll be firing you know, messages back and forwards. But, and it goes back to, you know, working for something in the future. You know, I'm, I'm not spending as much time as probably someone who works a nine while five job would with their family. Mm. Uh, but that time that I do spend with them, means everything you know it means the world we try and do yeah. something we try and you know spend time with the so you're actively planning yeah in your schedule you're yeah deciding what activities you're going to be doing we're making the most to of make it. most of yeah it. yeah so we're not just sat in the house doing nothing yeah. you know we want to be out and we want to go do something you know even if that's just going shopping mm. it's still as a family and we're still all together mm-hmm. uh but in the future you know i could spend a lot more time with with, with my family uh Currently at the minute, you know, it's like taking my daughter to school, dropping her off, going to work, yeah. going to go pick her up, drop her off at home, go back to work, uh, then come home for her bed, put her to bed. Yeah. So I spend I spend the times that I, I feel like means the most, which is obviously, you know, I get to see her before she goes in school when she's really happy and we go to the park and stuff. I get to take her to bed and she tells me all about her day and, mm. you know, we get to read stories and sing and everything and then she goes... <laughs> goes to sleep and then I've got a bit of time with my son as well uh, obviously he's not talking at the minute so he can't tell me much but you know it's still all quality time I, I try and enjoy as much as I can mm. uh, cat I probably neglect, neglect a bit because <laughs> I, I, I try and spend as much time with the kids I'll tell her to listen to this podcast <laughs> just to hear you admit that <laughs> no she's definitely neglected at the minute and she does find it quite quite difficult as well with me not being able to spend as much time at mm. home because she you know we have got two young children and she does need the help and the support uh, but then I have a strong family around me as well who obviously if I need if she needs a hand or I need a hand I've got my, you know, my parents are just across the road or my nan is around the corner or yeah stuff like that so i suppose the big question is with everything that you've gone through all these 
allegations, accusations, yeah. all these difficulties, uh, the businesses that you've built from that, the time that you've put into them and the things that you've managed to achieve, mm-hmm. uh, and then balance that with the, the time that you get to spend with your family yeah. and, and, and everything else. The life of an entrepreneur, is it worth it? Well, and this, <laughs> this actually got brought up the other day. So I was kind of like just laying in bed and I just, I, I looked over to Kat and I said, you know what, it must be lovely just to work a 915 job, get sick pay, get your holiday pay, and just, you know, not have to worry about work when you get home. Because yeah. obviously you work, you know, work for someone else. And then I just sort of looked at her again and I said, well, obviously if I thought that way, you know, why aren't I doing it? Mm. I, I said it about four years ago as well, was, you know, exactly the same. I think being an entrepreneur is, is is paying off. Maybe I'm not seeing everything now, but you know, five years time, who knows? I think it's definitely worth it. What do you want it to pay? Like what? Not not necessarily financial. What do you want to get out of it? I want to. I, I want my uh, family to be secure, mm. and that's just you know not having to worry about anything. Uh, something in the future for you know whether my daughter or my son wants to you know get into business or they just you know want some input but the foundation of my business will be to put them through whatever they want to do or inspire them I mean I already get my daughter coming and and sweeping the floor and everything she loves the social environment and playing around with her wooden tools and stuff like that (laughs) I'm not sure you're meant to have three-year-olds working (laughs) (laughs) but it's the whole idea of of having something in place that creates security Mm. And like you just said, it's not about the money. It's about that security of, you know, your family's going to be happy. And and do you think this is the, the route for you to achieve security? You know, I mean, based on, on the journey so far, there's been some, you know, real highs and lows. It's been a roller coaster. Is security something that you kind of... If you, ask me, if you asked me a couple of years ago, I'd have said no. Mm. If you asked me now, then I'd, I'd definitely say yeah. Because I can see how concentrating on my business and and not so mm. much me doing like barbering and everything has shown me you know how well the actual business is doing mm. and you know I do see rewards yeah there might not be financial rewards or anything but you know seeing the business grow or me taking another staff member on or creating a bigger family even at home and stuff you know it's it's all it, it all puts a smile on my face awesome well thank you for coming down and talking and sharing your roller coaster story with us uh i know it's been it's probably i hope the guys listening find it really interesting and um, it's been interesting to be on that journey with you yeah that's really uh, exciting that's but, um yeah it's been a, a decade of of madness but um yeah thank you you know and anyone who's listening you know if you've got any questions if you want to get in touch um, send me an email uh, get in touch through uh, social media and if you've got any questions for Jimmy let me know and I will pass those on um, right guys thank you for listening to the life of an entrepreneur if you have enjoyed this episode please check out the previous episode that I did with Carl or even the first episode prior to that one where I told you a little bit about myself. Next week, I'm not going to get a guest on. I'm going to have a little bit of a chat one-on-one with you guys and talk to you about some of the things that have been going on in my life and just kind of update you on those things. 
If you want to leave a review, that would be awesome. If you want to send any questions or have a chat, that would also be awesome. So please don't feel like you can't do those things. And once again, thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you soon.